Welcome to the Energy Fellows podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Enabling best-in-class customer experience and operational excellence in a hyper-connected oil and gas world, TCS prioritizes problem-solving and leverages customer insights to drive real business results. To find out more, go to TCS.com. That's TCS.com. Welcome to another episode of the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, and your host for today, and really appreciate you being on with us today. We have with us a special guest, but before I say uh, who that is, I'd like to mention to go to uh, the rating review on the show notes and uh, give us your feedback. Also, there's a survey there that takes less than 10 seconds to complete. And if you go there to complete the survey, uh, you'll get some stickers for your hard hats or for your uh, computer or whatever. And uh, also, I want to thank the sponsor of our show and the OGGN family. Thank you so much for everybody involved there. Well, this is an honor to have with us today a fellow podcaster and someone that's very involved in energy industry and across the ocean. And we want to mention her name now, Michelle Frazier. Michelle, welcome to the Energy Fellows Podcast. Thank you for inviting me on today. It's an honor. Oh, it's so exciting. We'd like to start off with Michelle. Uh, Instead of me reading the bio and things like that, usually everyone has a bio. You know, we read those. But it's better to hear from you and give your perspective of where it all began. And uh, I'm talking about early days, really early days all the way through. And then we'd like to ask you some questions along the way that may be more current events. But anyway, please, Michelle, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, thank you. Well, hi, my name is Michelle Fraser. I have over 25 years experience in the energy sector. I specialized in instrumentation SCADAS, ICSS systems, and I've traveled all over the world with my role. I am a fellow podcaster as well, energy sector heroes. And where it all began for me was when I left school, when I went to school in the late 80s, there was quite a bit of a stigma still where females couldn't enter into a male-dominant role. So we were quite discouraged from doing so. So it wasn't until after I left school that my career really took off. And I applied for a job as a junior technician in a youth government training scheme. And that's how I started off from there. You were born and raised. And tell us about that. I was born and raised in Aberdeen. Uh-huh. And where do you live now? I've lived all over the world, but I'm living just now in Denmark. Well, you definitely have gone across. I looked at the ventures you've had, I should say, and you've definitely covered the world in a lot of ways. The challenges today are not like, you know, in the past, in a sense. I mean, if you go back as far as I was in the industry back 45, 46 years ago, we didn't even have the fax machine yet. Definitely didn't have the iPhone. There was a lot of things that were in the planning stages back then. Today, we've come a long way, and now we're actually talking about AI in a big way. But what was some of the challenge you mentioned about entering the field was really difficult at first for you. Have you seen that improve a lot through the years, or is it still a challenge? No, it has improved quite a lot. I've always been able to keep on working as an engineer. So I've been an engineer for almost 30 years. So I've always had the persistence and the motivation to keep moving forward with my career. 
Even though it was difficult at the start, there is a lot more opportunities for women in engineering and in the energy sector now. That's wonderful. And I do see a lot more of the younger generation entering into the energy sector as engineers as well. So that's really encouraging as well. That's very encouraging because we definitely need all the workforce we can definitely put together for not only worldwide, but the United States. I know we're working on that as well. How do we retain? How do we recruit? I guess you've helped in that effort too, I guess. Your success has probably gotten the attention of others. I know you have about 8,000 or so on LinkedIn, for example, that follow you. So I know you're giving back that way. Tell us ways that, that we can reach out and help people to recruit and retain people in the energy industry. There's many different ways you can reach out. There, I know that a lot of companies, a lot of companies, they do a lot of seminars. They do, we have over, especially in the UK, we have like the oil exhibition and a lot of events where you can go and the younger generation can attend events, Tech Fest as well. And a lot of companies go there and give talks about entering into the energy sector, applying for a lot of the organizations, they contact the university straight off. And of course, you would do summer placements and things. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on for companies to get staff into the industry. Of course, if sustainability is big as well, if your mm-hmm. company is looking to promote sustainability within the industry, then that's more attractive as well for people to join your company for. Because everybody obviously is worried about the environmental impact that the energy sector is having on the environment just now. So, No question. I had a subject, actually a conference, International Energy Policy Conference I founded in 1992. And the theme back then was striving for energy efficiency and environmental preservation. And I say that because that wasn't necessarily looked at that closely back then. But it's something I thought should be entertained by all means and talked about. Because those in the environmental didn't want to hear much about the energy efficiency, and the energy folks didn't want to hear a whole lot about the environmental preservation. At the same time, they both believed in it. It's a matter of how we pursued it. So what challenges do you see our industry has today that you're trying to be involved with in meeting those challenges? One of the main challenges is probably to get energy emissions down. Right. Everybody the whole world over is trying to do that to reduce their energy emissions and also become more sustainable. And I think that's one of the major things that's going on in the industry just now. And of course, I work towards that every day because obviously I work in the industry and you have to really promote and change. You really have to advise companies of uh, changing technologies that can help them do that as well. Even when you're on projects, you're always looking you always need to focus on new technology that will meet the company's goal for reducing their emissions. Mm -hmm. So it's quite challenging. Very challenging, no question. You must have had some mentors along the way to, first of all, to even get involved, I guess, in the energy industry. Who were some mentors that helped you along the way or encouraged you? And I guess you don't have to know a mentor in a sense. You could read about it in mentors, but are those that helped you launch into the energy industry? One of my key mentors was the first person that hired me, actually, on my first job as a trainee technician. He was very key in my career because not only did he encourage me to keep going, 
he also gave me the chance to, because it was a training scheme that I started off on. So during the training scheme, he managed to get companies to agree to offer us placements for maybe a couple of weeks to see, to show us what we were learning was actually quite useful to implement it as well. And in one of the placements that I went on, I actually got kept on. And then that's when my career really took off. His name was Paul Cuthbertson. He was really key in my career. But then I've had other people that's maybe been a mentor as well. My parents as well. They helped encourage me all the time to pursue my career. And they keep me motivated. And I've learned a lot from them as well. Well, along with successes, there's also challenges of how to take on, and I think you've asked me that before, on like disasters or something that may have occurred. What do you see in your span of your history here? Was there something that you thought, wow, I don't know what I'm going to do about this? The challenges of something that should have gone right, went wrong. Did you see that along the way? Well, my career, every job that I do, especially as a contractor, is quite challenging because you're usually taken on to do a specific part of the project. You can also be hired if the project isn't going that well and then you're there to fix any, troubleshoot any problems as well. The best thing I find about my role in engineering is technology is moving so fast and you're always having to troubleshoot all the time. I find myself troubleshooting all the time, whether it's you're always having to firefight Mm. Every day, whether it's queries offshore or when you're managing contractor on behalf of the organization, mm-hmm. whether they have queries that you have to try and resolve and fix. So I've not really had any career disasters. Mm. No, I wouldn't really say I had any career disasters at all. Probably the only thing that I would mention was that a key part of when I first started working abroad was when I was still married to my ex-husband and I found out that he had, I wasn't working at the time and I was quite surprised why I couldn't get a job. And then, But I then found out that he had been deleting some of the interviews no. that companies had been setting up for me. I think one of the companies that I did eventually go and work for for quite a number of years, they actually phoned me up and then set up an interview and... I then got that job and then I left. Mm-hmm. And that was the start of my career working abroad. But then I don't see it as a bad thing because I see it was getting away from a very difficult situation, but it was mm-hmm. also the start of a new beginning because if I hadn't left to go and work abroad, then I wouldn't have worked on some of the most amazing projects that I have done. I still feel very blessed and very grateful for the opportunities that I've had since that difficult time. Setbacks can produce some really great results, and you've proven that. That's wonderful. What country or project, maybe country and project that you worked on and worked in, were the highlight of your career so far? I mean, is there one or two, or maybe you want to share more than that, but what have been some of the highlights that, you know, when today, you know, there's students listening to this. There's going to be those that are up and coming, you know, for students, leaders, even senior fellows. They all like to hear these kind of things because it inspires them. What's been inspiring to you as far as a highlight or highlights in your career? I think the best job that I've had was when I worked in China. 
on Yamal LNG project. It was a joint venture with the Total. And it was just amazing. It was amazing. It was, I'd been off, because I sometimes work on site offshore as well. And I think it's important to do all of these things. So I'd been on site before because I'd worked in a similar type of role when I was over in Holland. But when I went over to China to do that job, it was just in a whole different scale. I found out that at the time it was one of the largest projects in the whole world. It was just amazing. Or like the work, the work was amazing. The work mm-hmm. was tiring, but it was amazing. I learned so much about the engineering because when you do the design, even when you're doing pre-feed and then detailed design, it taught me that no matter what you do during them phases, how it is, how your design is going to be when you're going into construction is totally different. So whatever you design on paper might not work and it has to be modified during construction. Mm-hmm. So you have to really think on your feet and advise and the construction engineers have to provide a solution to make the design work. And I just find it really fascinating. And obviously you can design something. I mean, anybody can design something. For me, I don't really think you can understand fully until you actually see and touch what you're designing. So for me, I think that being offshore or going on site is very key on it in anybody's career. Gives you just a better understanding of what you're building and what you're manufacturing and the end goal. That's got to be fascinating. No question about it. Wonderful highlight that you shared. Do you have hobbies? How do you escape sometimes, I guess is the best way to say it. I guess we all need in our profession, whatever it might be, but energies as well. How do you get away from things and complement in the workforce? My hobby is, well, I have my podcast. Um, it's a great escape. By the way, it's a great podcast. Everybody should listen. The Energy Heroes, Energy Sector Heroes. Yeah, thank you. It is a new podcast, and I really enjoy doing it. At first, I was really nervous because I never really thought I would ever have a podcast, but then times change and things change. And so I like doing my podcast. I like meeting new people. Mm-hmm. I like hearing people's stories as well. And I like the fact that every episode gives a different message. Exactly. And they're very unique. I also like my writing. I do all my own writing for my blog. And I go to the gym. I go out with my friends. Mm-hmm. So that's how I escape. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you have some habits along the way that you would like to share? <laughs> Maybe uh, that I always laugh about that because I've had some that I go, I did these habits, but they're not necessarily ones I want to. You know, I've, over the years, improved on some of these habits. I used to have a dashboard and metrics and measurements, and then I still do, but it's gotten refined along the way. Still working on it. What habits do you have that you could share that would be good for everyone in the walk of life of the energy sector? I always write every day, at the end of every day, I should say, I always write my to-do list about what I have to do for the next day. That's one habit that I've always kept. I always write, and I always, old-fashioned way, I uh, always write it in a pen and paper. That's one thing that I always do. I think that's the only habit that I have. Make sure that I can contribute into meetings as well. That's another habit that I have as well. 
the main one for me would be the writing down your to-do list to make sure that you check everything off that you're going to do each day. I have what I call the journey list. It's a list of things I'd like to accomplish. Yeah. Some are pretty high goals and some are not as high. Do you have a, some things on your journey list, I'd call journey list, of things you would like to still attain along the way? It could be countries you want to visit still or projects you still want to work on or go back to school or anything like that. You, well, you've already accomplished two journey lists, sounds like, already on the podcast and uh, have a podcast and uh, all your writings. So there may be some other things you want to share with us. I'd like to go into mentoring, mentoring younger engineers to maybe advise them on their careers, how to get started, maybe how to progress their careers. That's one thing I would like to do that I'm currently working on putting a program together. I'd like to visit Canada. I've never visited Canada. Mm -hmm. I'd like to visit there. That's wonderful. I think that's all that I want to achieve. I'd like to do my PhD, mm -hmm. but I don't know what I would do and maybe in the future, a long way away. Is there a particular school you'd want to go back to or go to, excuse me? I've always went to the same school, mm -hmm. the Robert Gordons in Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. I didn't really go away to study, so I did all my qualifications there. It was a good university because it was more a practical degree, so you had more lab work as well as the theoretical as well, which I really enjoyed. In America, we're talking a lot about ESG, uh, environmental social governance. And is that something that you're seeing addressed internationally that much as well? I've never heard of that. Okay. Yeah, in America, it's come down to the point of ESG, environmental social governance. And it's something that seems to be in the forefront politically as well as in the investment side. So if it's not over there in Europe at this point, I think it may be coming along the way. Cybersecurity, is that something that you're concerned about in your line of work? Yeah, that is. When I worked over in the Middle East, they implement cybersecurity, but I have noticed as well throughout different countries that they are starting to implement cybersecurity on their platforms. Mm -hmm. There's a, there a lot more of it, of it now. Before, it was quite unheard of. No, that's right. Or maybe, or maybe it wasn't, but especially on the oil platforms. There was never really many companies implementing cybersecurity, but it's becoming more dominant now. Definitely stepped up. You're exactly right. I remember a time it wasn't. Of course, I went back and told my, where I came along the way with the, you know, I didn't know what a fax machine was and iPhone. We've come a long way from my perspective, for sure. The digital transformation. There are a lot of companies have embraced digital transformation. Many have not as much. Are you seeing that, and I call it digital transformation from the whiteboard to the boardroom. Are you seeing the transformation happen from your perspective? Or is it still kind of like there's companies out there still should adopt it? No, I don't know. There is a lot more companies adopting, especially the cybersecurity. Now, there is. I've been on a couple of projects over the years where they have started to implement cybersecurity. So... There is more and more organizations looking to implement it, especially with what's going on in the world mm -hmm. just now. Where do you see the energy industry? I'm not going to say 30 years from now because that's pretty tough to even think about. Let's say in the next five to 10 years, where do you see our energy industry heading? I don't know. Well, I do know. They would need to obviously be more environmentally friendly. 
well, all companies are working on this. So we need to be more sustainable mm-hmm. and to work on their zero emissions program. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies around the world that I have seen are starting to do this and are actively promoting that. And a lot of the projects that are currently being run are implementing technologies that can reduce emissions and can make them more sustainable. So, mm-hmm. No question about it. Well, I see that there's definitely some opportunities for those that are listening. In whatever career path they're on right now, they can play a big part in the future. You know, we're looking at a lot of things right now from AI to digital transformation to cybersecurity to robotics. All these different factors in front of us are definitely challenges for the future that are going to be not just from those entering the workplace, but those that serve on boards and C-suites and so forth. So I think there's going to be some opportunities that way. So what's next for you? What do you want to do in your future? We talked about your kind of your goals and so forth, but what's next on your, I guess, your to-do list in a sense? I would include on this kind of question here is also reading materials because reading is a big part, I know, of your life. It has to be keep up. And there's those that probably want to know what you're reading or what you would like to read or what should be read. And it may be another habit, I guess, in a sense, to what do you turn to? Who do you turn to when you need advice? Who do I turn to when I need advice? Depends on what advice. If it's technical, then I go to my colleagues. I have a really good team around me mm-hmm. and we all work together. It's a team effort. So... I really like the people that I work with just now. They're all of them are very talented. Technically, I would look either to my either to my team members. Sometimes you have to try and troubleshoot and figure out problems by yourself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would a big inspiration for giving advice to me is probably my family, my mom and my sisters, my dad as well. So. They are big inspirations to me as well for giving me advice. As for reading, I don't really read that much. I know it's a terrible thing to say. I read autobiographies. Well, you find time if you do. (laughs) You're reading all the time in the sense of your profession. And that was my next thing I was going to say. I don't really read for pleasure because I'm reading all the time at work because you're having to consistently read procedures, standards, Read and write design documentation, updating procedures and reading them to make sure that they're correct. Commissioning procedures, reading FET procedures, which is a factory acceptance tests. Mm -hmm. So you're reading all the time. A lot of my day is really reading, checking and solving problems. So Mm -hmm. for me... Other than that, I don't really read for pleasure unless it's a really good book that I'm really would read, an autobiography that I would really want to read. Well, Michelle, this has been an honor to have you on this program, the Energy Fellows podcast. And again, tune in to Michelle's podcast as well and definitely make a practice of making that on your weekly list. I have about 20 or so podcasts I listen to on a weekly basis, and I've added yours to the list, Michelle. It's a wonderful podcast. Energy Sector Heroes. Michelle, you've lived a wonderful life already. Sounds like you've got a wonderful future ahead. We definitely want to keep up with you and definitely, uh, hopefully, you'll be back on our show down the road. You've been listening to Michelle Fraser and you've been listening also to the Energy Fellows podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. 
Remember, the future of energy depends on us. It depends on all of us. Thank you. Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. Oh,